Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. It probably used to be normal that a church would open up its front doors and invite anyone passing by to come in and sit in the sanctuary and maybe pray. I don't know about you, but it feels rare to me now. It feels like something that's unusual and would take some planning. I'm Karen Stiller, and I spoke with Nina Sherman Drenth, who is the pastoral intern at Eucharist Church in Hamilton, Ontario. And she was sort of the creative force behind Eucharist, creating a beautiful, creative prayer space in their church downtown and inviting people into it. At Faith Today, we featured this prayer room at Eucharist Church in our March-April Church and Community Department which is all about how churches are serving their community. But we thought you might enjoy hearing it firsthand from Nina and just going a little bit deeper with the idea. So if you'd like to see the print issue, please email me at editor at faithtoday.ca and I will put one in the mail to you or you can find us online at faithtoday.ca. But in the meantime, give this idea some thought. Nina, thank you so much for joining us. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I met you, quote unquote, met Nina, when I interviewed you for our church and community feature for Faith Today. I just felt your church Eucharist in Hamilton, the church that you're a pastoral intern at, correct? Yeah. That you were doing this really cool thing with a prayer room. So I want to just welcome our listeners into that idea and flesh it out a bit more because it really struck me as so cool and maybe something every church can do. So Nina, tell us first of all, what does it mean that you're a pastoral intern at Eucharist? What do you do there? So I'm also, I'm a student at Wycliffe College in Toronto. I'm finishing up my last semester of my Master's of Divinity. So part of the requirements for that program was docking in with a church and doing an internship over a summer. So in the summer, I spent three months with Eucharist, just working alongside the pastors, doing a lot of just like shadowing them and learning from them and doing some theological reflection for them in partnership with Wycliffe's Field Ed program. And so I was doing that in the summer. And then I actually, we decided together that I would continue through until the spring uh, as I finished my degree and whatnot, because we liked each other. <laughs> nice. And so I, I'm continuing to work with the pastors on a part-time basis, doing some preaching and some walking alongside congregants and helping lead the church. Very good. And so your church, as it reopened, you know, in all the ups and downs of COVID, you all started this idea of a prayer room. Can you define what you mean by that? And just tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, yeah. So even before we started doing in-person services, we decided to open up our sanctuary. We have a Eucharist church just bought a building uh, about three, four years ago here in downtown Hamilton, a big old church on Victoria Avenue with a gorgeous sanctuary. And the thought was that in, on Sunday afternoons, we would open up the building and it would just be a quiet place for contemplation and prayer. We set up some different stations throughout the sanctuary that have prompts for prayer, different reflections, different kind of journaling prompts and spaces where people can be alone in a little, little tent and whatnot. All the different prompts were based around the theme of Psalm 91, where it, the psalmist talks about God being a, a, a refuge, someone we can hide under the shadow of, of his wings. Yeah, so people would just come in and it wouldn't necessarily be a gathering. It would be more like a drop-in where you can walk around and spend as much or as little time as feel led to. 
yeah, so we did that on Sunday afternoons in the summer, and then we decided to continue doing that through the fall during the week where people can walk in and there's just an open door. So you literally have a tent set up, right? We do actually literally have a tent set up <laughs> on the stage of the sanctuary. We built this four-walled space that people can get away to, and we just made it out of a bunch of bed sheets. It's nice because it's a, the sanctuary is, is a, a very open space, obviously, and so you can sort of see where everyone is at any given time, but to have this sort of tucked away space where you can just be alone with God and, and have kind of the privacy or the secrecy of a quiet space felt sacred and helpful for people. Yeah, I love that. It it feels to me, Nina, like it's kind of like right away, my reaction is risk. It's risky to open up the doors of your church downtown or, you know, in a city or anywhere really and say, come on in, stranger. Did you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, at any given time, there's very likely to be at least two Eucharites, Eucharist folks uh, at the building sort of hosting the space, whether it's two of us as as pastoral staff or other elders and friends. So that helps. There, there were a few times where I was alone and, and then I would just sort of have my phone on me. And really, I, I think that I think that we we weighed the risks and it still felt worth it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We we thought to ourselves, well, this is a church building. It's not my building. It's a church building. It's Christ's building. And so to keep the doors closed all week just feels incongruent with what we understand the gospel to be and what we understand the mission of the church to be in this time. So I think in some ways it, holding things with open hands feels helpful. Otherwise, we can become quite cloistered out of fear uh, and that doesn't feel appropriate. And, and we also were thinking about church history, right? And how throughout time, sanctuaries have been open spaces, kind of public spots for dialogue and also for sacred experience. And so to continue in that tradition feels really feels really holy and, and helpful for our, for our current times. And your building, you described the sanctuary as gorgeous. So I'm, I'm imagining historic, you know, stained glass, probably, maybe there's nice wood. Tell me about just what space means for people. So if you're, if you're someone who didn't go to church, and you felt an urge to come in, and you step in this beautiful space, and it's welcoming, what are you hoping happens? And what do you think happens for people when they come in? I think we can pray anywhere, of course, right? We can pray in our homes, we can pray on the streets, we can uh, shoot up little prayers here and there as we're commuting. But there's something about a beautiful space that people have prayed in for decades and even in our case, a century or so that I think primes people for encounters with transcendence. I think God uses spaces that have been kind of tried and true <laughs> for encounters with the divine I think that there's something about us, you know, the Celtic church called them thin spaces, spaces where heaven and earth feel really close. And that's really helpful. But there's even something about the intentionality of seeing a sign on the street being like, hey, I guess I'm allowed to walk in. And then going through a door that you wouldn't go through unless you had some level of interest in seeking a transcendent experience or a encounter with God or some taste of divinity that 
allows people's souls and and minds and their their psyche for something different than what they were experiencing the rest of the day. And Nina, I'm guessing that people might feel comfortable walking in on a Tuesday who might not want to come in on a Sunday, at least not yet, you know, for an actual service, that this is also providing a way for people to step inside a church who might not otherwise ever do that. Totally. Like for two reasons, right? Because they are seekers and not someone who wants to identify as a churchgoer at this time. That's why somebody would walk in on a Tuesday instead of a Sunday morning. But also because during COVID, there's still lots of folks who aren't ready to gather to gather yet with, with 100 people in the room. And so to have a space where you're bound to be six feet apart from anyone and you're guaranteed to have a lot of space for yourself is uh, just on a very practical note, while we're still dealing with the pandemic, I think that you get different folks coming in midweek for that reason as well. Yeah. So you mentioned that a couple of your staff or yourself, you're usually around, but you're not like hovering, I assume. You're not engaging necessarily. How do you be with these people? Are you just in the back of the room or... Yeah, we are just in the back of the room. Okay. Yeah, sometimes we're even in the office kind of just peering out to be like in the sanctuary. Is there someone there? Okay, good. Keep an eye on them. But not even not even interrupting their experience at all. And part of the reason for that is because I think we want to make sure that we're not getting in the way. You know, if people want to come in and have a private secret time, we want to make sure that they are welcome to do that. We sort of hide away. <laughs> and sometimes we say hi. You know, it's it's just about kind of noticing, does this person look like someone who might need a conversation? Or is this person someone who, who came here because they want quiet time by themselves? Uh, and then sort of discerning from there. But we don't want to force anything, right? So there really is a kind of a trust and release on your part, too, because you are literally just providing space and invitation. You're not trying to sign them up for offering envelopes. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. And I think that people are really scared of being manipulated by churches. I think people are really, really scared of that, especially in a really secular environment like downtown Hamilton. I think that that's incredibly off-putting to people. And I think that there's an invitation, right, for us as churchy people <laughs> to be like, okay, that that's off-putting for people. And what's the gospel? what's the gospel look like in a setting like this? And I think that in a setting like this, we, we need to let go and release control and say, yeah, maybe they'll come in every week and they'll never, never fill out one of those envelopes. <gasps> Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> and just being like, let's let it, let's let it happen. And let's yeah. trust the Holy Spirit to be working in their hearts and understand that to be our purpose and nothing else. You know, I was preaching just a few weeks before we opened the prayer room, I was preaching on the parable of the mustard seed. And I was just blown away by the verse where it says something like, it's in Mark 4, and Jesus is preaching on the farmer who sows a seed. And then the farmer goes inside, and he sleeps, and he wakes up, and he sleeps again, and the seed grows without him even observing it. And I was just, I just feel like that's part of the the spirit of this sort of project is that it's not our seed to grow. We just we just sit in the back. We just sort of watch and go, oh, I wonder what's going on. But we don't need to know. We don't need to know what's going on. And giving people the opportunity to encounter encounter the divine in secret 
it feels very congruent with even Jesus' teachings and uh, it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Nina, is this a downtown idea? Like we, I attended downtown church in Ottawa and I can see it working for us and it's something that we're talking about, but I'm, I know a lot of churches have left the downtown core in our cities and, you know, moved to the suburbs. So I'm trying to imagine, you know, one of those sort of big evangelical suburb churches adopting this idea somehow. And I guess it could work. I mean, I guess you could put flyers around the neighborhood maybe and say, you're welcome Tuesdays two to four, or what do you think? Or is this a downtown idea? Well, I would say that there's something, there's, there's sort of two things that I think are unique about our setting that makes it especially plausible. And the first is that we have pedestrians walking by. We're on a major street. We're not necessarily near a BIA or something where there's tons of traffic, but enough that people would walk by and see our sign. So that makes it pretty plausible. The other is that we have an old sanctuary that people might be interested in, even just because it's historic and because we've renovated a bunch of the stained glass and it looks really nice. But I think that there's there's something very simple about having a space open that makes it so that I, I would encourage churches to think like, well, why not? You know, you know, if you're a pastor, it's kind of like, well, I'm in the office on uh, Wednesdays at noon. So what if I even just sort of propped the door open and, and just see what happens and yeah. see, you know, maybe you won't get, maybe you won't get 50 people coming through. I mean, we don't get 50 people coming through. We get like six maybe. And maybe that'll be a really big difference uh, for very little cost on, on your part. And I think that that's a lot of what prayer rooms are about in general. You know, I used to work in prayer ministry for three years with the Greater Ontario House of Prayer. And there's people don't crowd to prayer rooms. They just don't. <laughs> but a few people do. And they must be real seekers to say, hey, it's like a midweek lunch break. And I'm choosing to sit here and uh, oh, giving people the opportunity to seek in that way. I, I just think that that's what it's all about. Yeah. And you know what? Us believing in the comfort of our of the church. Like I, I think to me that's also ancient and beautiful that this is a place of comfort and receiving. And you can just come in mm-hmm. cold off the street and and receive something beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Filling filling your time with empty space that God can interrupt. So Nina, you have a church that I understand is sort of full of artists and you you are artistic and you have brought that mm-hmm. beautiful artistic layer to your prayer room. Can you um, give us more specifics around that? Like you, I think you have a collage space with art materials. That sounds so cool yeah, to me. Yeah. Give us a few more details that might inspire some churches. Well, it's really fun actually, Karen, because we, I set up a bunch of stations with a friend in the community in the summer. And then we actually totally transformed them during Advent to be sort of more Advent themed. And so I'll even give you a little taste as to what the group of artists that helped me on some of the Advent stuff all came up with. In one of the vestibules that we don't use, we covered the walls with just black paper so that it's a really, really almost like eerie, quiet, dark space. And then we just have a uh, an iPhone, an iPod uh, with a headset. And uh, one of our friends in the community, one of the artists, recorded a meditation that people can oh, listen to about love hope. It. It's fantastic, fantastic, yeah, yeah. And then we uh, we have an old baptistry. It's super. It's a super funny little odd space. We haven't used it for baptism since Eucharist 
came in, as far as I'm aware anyway. And we, anyway, we transformed that baptistry into a sort of meditation space uh, where people can lie on the floor of the baptistry and look up. And we have projected the word rest and some sort of starry night scenes. It's really beautiful. Oh, wow. I I couldn't come up with this stuff on my own, but this wonderful uh, team of artists helped me and it's gorgeous. And then in the back, we created a joy space where we have a bunch of helium balloons. Uh, so, so really interactive and uh, some coloring pages and it's a super kid-friendly space as well as some prompts for prayer around the theme of joy. Hmm. And then in the, at the front, we still have our tent. We sort of fixed it up because it looked a little makeshift, but now that it's staying up there long-term, we've sort of tidied it up. And then on the inside, we have some prompts around who Christ is and what Christ means at Christmas and this sort of thing. Wow. So yeah, you can get really creative. And your pilgrims aren't sucking the helium out of the balloons? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And so then right away, I think, well, obviously Lent, like all the, all the, the liturgical seasons could lend themselves to this sort of thing, but not necessarily either, right? You don't have to be this wildly creative. You could also just open your door on Wednesdays. Absolutely. Yeah. It can really be as, as complicated or as simple as desired. I, and that's one of the beauties of it, you know, just having a couple of journals in the back and a book or two, I feel like is, can be just as powerful as uh, some of the creative stuff we've been coming up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which really goes back to your, you know, theme earlier that we just talked about, about trust and trusting that God is going to do something and that space matters And that if you own a church building, you're kind of in a privileged position, especially, I think, if it's downtown, quite frankly. Um, And you can use that building, right? Yeah, yeah, that it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the neighborhood, really. And it belongs to God, ultimately. And what that implicates for midweek usage of buildings, I think, would be a really interesting thing for us to continue to think about. Nina, thank you so much. I love this encouragement you've given and I love the examples you've given. And I think it's, I would love to hear back if if a church um, listens to this or reads this piece in Faith Today and is inspired to try this out. I think we want to hear, right, Nina? And hear how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for chatting, Karen. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.